This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. Our test IPA, the one that we carried over more troop, actually had a lower perceived bitterness and less of a lingering bitter finish, uh, which was not really what we expected to see. So it seems to indicate that our fermentation health really declined when we added in some extra trube and it seems to adversely affect the health of our yeast. This week on the show, a trube carryover study out of Stone's Richmond, Virginia brewery. This episode originally ran in July of 2017. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode that you won't want to miss. Welcome to the Master Brewers Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryce. Today, we've got a special 100% hokey edition of the podcast as I'm joined by fellow Virginia Tech alumni Haley Potts and Tom Boudreau from Stone Brewing in my hometown of Richmond, Virginia. Haley and Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here, John. Tom, Tom, the first question is for you. Did you get any kind of special treatment at Boudreau's restaurant during your time in Blacksburg? (laughs) <laughs> well, I never got any special treatment, but I enjoyed uh, their Cajun food. It's hard to find it in the middle of Appalachia for sure. All right. The last district mid-Atlantic spring meeting was so crowded that unfortunately I never got a chance to meet either of you, but I did really enjoy your presentation there. And I thought it would be fun to share your Whirlpool Troop carryover study here on the podcast. As you set out with the goal of improving your Whirlpool efficiency, you asked yourselves a question that I bet a lot of other brewers have wondered over the years. Tell us about that question. Yeah, absolutely. So here at Stone, we were obviously trying to optimize the efficiency of our brew house system by getting the most work out of our whirlpool as possible without carrying over too much trube that would affect the quality of our beer that we hold so high. So ultimately, what we were looking for was the ability to bring over as much trube as possible um, to increase our efficiency without having to worry about an issue of something like uh, the analytical or sensory parameters of our beer falling below standards. So that ultimately brought us to the study that we conducted here. 
Okay. Um, how about setting this up with the overall design of your study? Why don't you tell us uh, about the control and then also the special brews that you ran? Yeah, absolutely. So what we did at Stone is we had a system set to uh, leave 50 barrels of wort in the whirlpool um, at the end of the uh, extraction phase and cool down um, with the total volume usually bringing about 250 barrels into the fermenter. The target of this study was to increase the total amount into the fermenter to 260 barrels, leaving only 40 barrels of wort remaining in the uh, whirlpool and of course all the trube behind. With that, we got the effect of being able to bring over a little bit more trube into the fermenter um, as compared to our traditional brew system and determine the analytical and sensory parameters of that special test. Okay. Was there any um, special reason you went from 50 to 40 there or was, uh, did you consider uh, trying different amounts? Well, we wanted to up the barrelage um, to get our efficiency up a little bit, but we didn't uh, want to increase so much that we worried about uh, clogging our heat. Uh, uh, sorry, what is that called? The heat exchanger. Um, heat yeah. trans. Yeah, thank you. That without clogging the heat exchanger, so that was the um, real focus of the study is to be able to do so much that we can get an effective test without having to worry about breaking our brand new system here in Richmond. Fair enough. Now, there's a lot of different components to quality. How did you decide which parameters to measure in this study? Well, we have a pretty robust uh, quality program here in Richmond. We conduct a lot of analytical studies on our beer just to make sure they're up to our standards. Um, and we decided that for a lot of the quality parameters we're going to determine, um, we could utilize a lot of the resources we already had in our lab. And that included things like um, our yeast health and the ability to measure the viability and yeast cell counts, as well as uh, fermentation parameters like uh, the uh, ex apparent extract and the percent alcohol. We also have a pretty robust sensory program in place that we uh, we utilize to, uh, with Haley Potts to be able to determine uh, sensory differences between our study. And then finally, we brought in new technology that we haven't been implementing as part of our standard system to measure um, turbidity of the actual beer to determine if there was any haziness that we got from some of this tube carryover. Okay, how about, uh, did you guys end up finding any differences in, in your fermentation there? Yeah, we actually found some pretty interesting differences. What we noticed is that when we carried over more trube into the fermenter, our yeast health actually significantly declined. We saw about a 10% yeast viability drop, and that corresponded to an interesting um, adverse reaction with our fermentation. We noticed there was about a 0.6 Play-Doh increase when we, uh, in the terminal gravity when we added in the trube. Um, so it seems to indicate that in our fermentation health really declined when we added in some extra trube and it seems to adversely affect the health of our yeast. Tell, tell us about cell count too. Did you have any big impact there? Yeah, we saw a decrease in cell count as well. So it seems that the trube and, and also not only just killing off our yeast and making them unhealthier, but the total cell count also went down, indicating that our yeast weren't able to grow to the, the total numbers we were looking for. We have a really neat piece of analytical equipment here that we can uh, electronically measure cell count and viability. And we determined that with our experimental fermentation, there was definitely a, a decrease in our overall yeast health um, as a result of the trube inclusion. That kind of speaks a little bit to how IBUs and perceived bitterness don't always go hand in hand and um, just really shows us that we have some more, uh, more work to do to really fully understand the effects of TRUBE. 
I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by... Brewery Supply Group is now the proud exclusive distributor of Dingaman's Malt. BSG is thrilled to partner with the Dingaman's family and to distribute their superior quality malts to brewers, distillers, and homebrewers in the U.S. and Canada. Dingaman's Malt combines modern techniques with their long-standing focus on quality and service to their customers and remains 100% independent and family-owned. Go to bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more. And thank you also to... Fermentus is the obvious choice for beverage fermentation. From large and small breweries to homebrewers, we've provided the beer industry with the best fermentation yeast since 2003. The yeasts are easy to use. Just pitch Fermentus yeast directly into your wort. No rehydration necessary. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation, visit Fermentus.com. Master Brewer's calendar is still a hot mess due to COVID-19. Definitely check out the calendar of events at MBAA.com for the latest information. Here are some events that remain on the calendar. There's quite a few webinars, including Beer Recovery from Hoppy Tank Bottoms using a decanter centrifuge May 14th. Putting Brewing Water into Perspective with John Palmer, May 16th. Enzymes and Enzyme Application in Brewing, May 19th. District St. Paul, Minneapolis meets online May 21st. District New England has a webinar on Kvike Yeast, May 22nd. Looking beyond the pandemic, proactive measures towards business interruptions, May 26th. Creating a safe environment for brewery tours, June 9th. And finally, compliance testing for state-level cannabis markets on June 23rd. The best brewing conference worldwide only happens every four years, and it's happening this August. WBC 2020 will be held August 1st through the 4th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find all the details at worldbrewingcongress.org or just follow the link in the show notes. The District Texas Annual Summer Meeting in Kerrville is August 7th through the 9th. The Master Brewers Brewery Systems Technology and Maintenance course begins September 13th in Madison. The District Northwest Fall Meeting is scheduled for October 9th and 10th. The Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course is October 25th through November 6th in Madison. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. back to the show. Okay, so you saw a negative impact on RDF, yeast viability, and cell counts. Did you see any other major changes in other parameters like IBUs or anything else that's that's significant that you're measuring? 
Yeah, of course, in line with fermentation, we saw a decrease in percent alcohol that corresponded to the yeast being able to un, uh, being unable to finish out the fermentation. So that was one interesting thing in terms of the final quality of our beer. But also with the IBUs, we noticed that we carried over Troub, our IBUs went up significantly. Now, that is kind of to be expected when we're carrying over more hop particles and more alpha acids. Of course, we would expect the BUs to be higher. But of course, with a, such a large increase, that um, puts us out of range of some of our analytical standards that we hope to reach here at Stone. So carrying over Troub can really adversely affect some of the um, bitterness as well as the fermentation parameters. Okay, how about the coital stability? Uh, you actually saw better results with more troop carryover, right? Yeah, that's a really interesting finding. We we assumed that if we brought over more troop, that it would contribute to colloidal stabil- instability that would lead to haziness in the final product. Especially, we were worried about um, long-term shelf life, that maybe some sort of cold break that would occur in the bottle would lead to significant haziness. But interestingly, we found that even after um, mid, mid-life, mid-shelf life, 45 days of cold storage, we found that the beer that contained more troop actually had a lower haziness as compared to the control beer, which uh, contained less troop. So um, that might just indicate that uh, due to effective filtration systems and a lot of other parameters that can lead to some of the final clarity of your beer, um, that there might be some variability between there. But ultimately, there doesn't seem to be a smoking gun that says, hey, if you carry over more troop, you're definitely going to see more haziness in your beer. Very interesting. I wonder if there's any possibility that there was more polyphenol material to react with po- with proteins to complex out, or if there's something else going on there. It'd be interesting to find that out. Absolutely. Um, okay, Haley, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us how you set things up for this study on the sensory side? Right. So what we did with the sensory side was looking at a few different uh, three different tests. In particular, so the first test that we did was a triangle test where we we're looking to see um, only if there was a difference between our uh, two samples, the test sample and control. And then we did a paired preference where um, our panelists directly compared the two, the test and control, to see which one they preferred. And the final test that we did was um, a descriptive analysis, which helped us just get into more specific traits of the beer. Um, and helped us kind of look uh, at more of the subtle differences in the beer character. Um, so we did these tests at the beginning, middle, and end of our shelf life. Uh, the panelists were all employees of Stone Brewing, so they're, um, they're a good pool for us. They're really familiar with our beer, and um, it's more convenient for us to use these in-house panelists. When we did... Um, We had our panelists do the triangle test and the paired preference together. Uh, They would be presented with the triangle test first, asked if there was a difference, then given a new set of samples and asked which one they preferred for the paired preference. Um, And when we did those at beginning, middle, and end of shelf life, we saw no statistical difference between our test and control samples. So Tom had talked a little bit about how we saw some differences in the fermentation health, but there wasn't any difference in the sensory, mainly the aroma and the flavor of the beer. And the final uh, test that we did was our descriptive analysis. And we did this using the brand profile um, for our IPA, which was the beer we used in this study. So it looks at um, many different flavor and aroma compounds, such as like the citrus fruit and tropical fruit in the aroma, as well as going through the different flavors, including like resinous uh, and bitterness, hop components. 
And when we compared those, we did that at our beginning of shelf life study. Um, so we wanted to do that with the fresh beer to get the best aroma possible. And we saw that the samples were fairly similar overall. Um, the biggest difference that we noticed was that our test IPA, the one that we carried over Mortrube, actually had a lower perceived bitterness and less of a lingering bitter finish, uh, which was not really what we expected to see. As Tom had said, the um, test IPA with Mortrube had higher IBUs. And so um, that kind of speaks a little bit to how IBUs and perceived bitterness don't always go hand in hand and um, just really shows us that we have some more uh, more work to do to really fully understand the effects of Troub. Very cool. Now, uh, you were still waiting on the 90-day shelf results at the time of this presentation. Uh, do you have any big right. news, news from those? Uh, not really. We did our triangle test and um, the paired preference test again, and once again saw no difference between the two samples. And um, with our paired preference at the beginning, middle, and end of shelf life, we saw that people had a slight preference for the control IPA, but there wasn't any statistical difference. So pretty similar results all the way throughout our 90-day shelf life. Very interesting. Um, your, your presentation was very transparent. You guys made it clear that this study had limitations and that you need to do a lot more work to potentially find significance. Uh, just curious if there's any other plans to continue with additional troop carryover studies or if you found um, some of the negative effects uh, on the yeast side of things uh, to basically make it not worth it. Right. And with this, um, at this time, we don't have any plans to continue on this particular line of work. Uh, kind of, as you said, since we didn't see any major sensory difference and um, there were some negative effects on the fermentation side, and as well as Tom had mentioned, not wanting to stress our equipment, um, we aren't continuing this at this time. But, um, you know, we're always looking to improve the efficiency of our brew house. So there could be uh, different studies down the road. All right. Haley and Tom, thanks for taking the time to share this project with District Mid-Atlantic. And thanks for joining me on the Master Brewers podcast to talk about it. I hope you have a great day and go Hokies. Go Hokies. Thanks, John. Go Hokies. Did you know that Master Brewers members can download slides, audio, and even video on demand from the District Presentations Archive? Whether you're in Escondido, Richmond, or Berlin, you can log in and access hundreds of presentations from the Meetings tab at mbaa.com. Check out the District Mid-Atlantic 2017 Spring Meeting in the District Presentations Archive now to watch a video of Tom and Haley's full presentation. Have you figured out which brewing conferences you'll be attending this year? There's one that should be your top priority. Like the Olympics, it only happens every four years, and it attracts the best minds in brewing from across the globe. The World Brewing Congress is hosted by ASBC and Master Brewers in collaboration with the Brewery Convention of Japan, the European Brewery Convention, and the UK's Institute of Brewing and Distilling. It's hands down my favorite brewing conference, and it's packed with the best technical presentations, posters, and networking you will ever experience. If you're serious about your career in brewing, you should be there. WBC 2020 will be held August 1st through the 4th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find all the details at worldbrewingcongress.org or just follow the link in the show notes. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? 
Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, ABS, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Fermentis. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. Thank you.